If you've always wanted to know what it takes to be a commercial director, you need to check out commercialdirectingfilmschool.com. I'm signed up for the Filmmaker Bundle, which includes the Masterclass, the Online Shadow, and the Case Study Masterclass. It's got 100% five-star reviews, and it also includes a 30-minute call with the master himself, my friend Jordan Brady, who's directed more than 1,300 commercials for top brands. And right now, exclusively for my listeners, use the code BIGIDEA, one word, to get a whopping $100 off either the Masterclass or the Shadow Course. Again, the code BIGIDEA, one word, for $100 off. Go to CommercialDirectingFilmSchool.com and get started today. This episode is brought to you by What's the Big Idea? An indispensable guide to becoming a kick-ass creative director. By yours truly, Jaime Cabrera. Pick it up on Amazon and now available on Audible. Hey everybody, welcome back to the podcast, Confessions of a Creative Director, the original podcast made by a creative director for creative directors, for aspiring creative directors, for creatives of all types looking to up their game. This is your podcast and I am your host, Jaime Cabrera. Welcome back. On today's show, we have Ned Brown, Chief Creative Officer at Bader Rudder in Milwaukee. Uh, Ned is a fellow musician and songwriter and he's here with us today to share some interesting ideas on how he's been able to tap into his musical background to help create compelling ideas and campaigns for some of the biggest brands in the world. So without further ado, let's get into it with Ned Brown. Good morning, Ned. How are you? Good. How are you? Hi, I'm doing. I'm doing well. Thanks, uh, thanks for making the time to uh, join the podcast. I'm super excited uh, to talk to you today. We have an, a very interesting uh, topic uh, that we're going to yeah. cover, uh, so I'm excited to jump into that. But uh, how's it going? How's Good, it going? yeah, yeah, and, and thank you for thank you for the the, the time and, and inviting me on. This is this is wonderful. Yeah, I, I you know uh, I, I spotted this little you know I was, I was doing my research on you and spotted this great little uh, comment about music and how you think like a how you ideate sort of like a musician. I'm like, this is my guy. This is my yeah. guy. We're going to talk about that because yeah. I, I do think that there's. Uh, I know for me anyway, I, I think that way sometimes too. So we're gonna we're gonna jump into that in a minute here. But I would love to know just a little bit about uh, sort of your career and you know what what you got going on at at Beta Rudder. And it seems like you've done some pretty incredible things. Worked for some amazing clients like Adidas, uh, Audi, Apple, Porsche. Um, you know the list of of awards. Uh, can Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it's just it, it, it's really impressive. So why don't you give us sort of yeah. a quick tour uh, of your career and tell us a little bit about what you got going on at Beta Rudder? Sure. Yeah. Um, so, it, it, you know, it, it all started back, um, you know, in my days in, in college uh, when I was studying music, um, thought I might be a piano performance major at that time and was, you know, playing in bands and writing, writing songs and stuff and um, studying art. Uh, and, and painting, and then um, writing, and I had no idea what I was going to do with these three things. And, yeah. then, and then one day, I stumbled across a, a book in the in the career center that said copywriting, and I was like, "Well, that's weird. It, that I think that's a legal thing, but it's spelled differently." <laughs> and so I was intrigued, and I opened it up, and in the fir- like the first opening paragraph, it talked about 
you know, this industry and how um, it's a it's it's visual, it's music, it's words all coming together. And I was like, oh wow, this sounds perfect for me. So that was the beginning um, of a of a very long journey, which led me through um, ad school and you know night classes and all that kind of stuff. And then finally landed at a um, after I got out of advertising school, got um, a little boutique um, ad agency in Minneapolis called Hunt Adkins. Um, and at that time, they were doing. Um, you know, some really, really amazing work. They, you know, little, little fact, this tiny little place of like 20 people was the seventh most awarded ad agency in the world at that wow. time. Yeah, they were, they were wow. cranking. And so I thought, hey, this will be a great place for me to, you know, basically go to boot camp and then absorb and learn a ton. And, and I definitely did. And then from there, um, sort of jumped to uh, the Bay Area to San Francisco and worked at, um, an agency called Legas Delaney. Um, and at that time they had, you know, they were a global agency um, and their North American office was primarily there to serve Adidas. And so I, you know, I grew up playing soccer. Um, it was a huge, huge thing in my life and, you know, kept playing um, into my adult life. And so I thought I'd I thought I had died and gone to heaven that my first assignment um, in going to work at Legas Delaney was to work on Adidas and relaunch or launch their their new um, soccer campaign. And I was like, wow. oh, my God, this is crazy. And so I wow. kept, kept pinching myself um, a lot. Um, and anyway, so then spent a, a nice a nice bit of time working there, working on lots of dis, you know, different uh, different campaigns for Adidas. And I think really there for me, that was sort of my formative years of of working around and just an incredibly um amazing talented group of people uh, across all all the disciplines but especially you know in the creative um department and learned that like that that the people there were just so incredibly humble and yeah. thoughtful and caring and so i think for me that was my first real experience of seeing that ad agency life um could be very communal um, very trusting, very safe. It, it didn't have to be in an intimidating environment. Right. And that, that was a big influence on me. Um, so then from there, jumped, jumped around a little bit in the Bay, in the Bay Area as I continued to work at different agencies, um, freelanced for a while, and then um, uh, went to a place called Venables Bell, um, which is still yeah. you know, going very strong. And Worked on a bunch of different um, clients there. Um, one of the m- main ones being Audi. I worked on that piece of business for six years, and um, again, just a, an amazing group of people there. Um, very, you know, very similar to to Legas Delaney, and uh, had had a fabulous time um, doing some some work that you know to this day I, I think back on very fondly. Then jumped to Apple, uh, and after that went to an agency in. Tampa, Florida, which also has a, an office in Atlanta called 22 Squared, and then finally made my way to um, up here to Milwaukee and worked at uh, Kramer Crasselt, and that's where I got some time working on Porsche, and so I got to dust off the automotive, um, you know, tools and 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 you know, I guess thinking right and kind of applied applied what I had done in my time at Audi and the things I'd learned there is I looked at how to bring some of that into into the work we were doing on Porsche. And um, then in 2018, um, made the move, early 2018, made the move to Beta Rudder um, to head up and run, uh, you know, the creative offering for this agency. Um, and so that's been now a little over a five-year journey as we wow. continue to kind of 
you know, build upon, um, you know, the success that, they, that this agency has had um, over its now 50-year uh, history. Wow. And, um, you know, really, really continuing to build into becoming more of a creative idea-driven agency. And so that's, that's the journey that uh, we've been on over the last five years. And is there a particular kind of um, type of work that you guys are known for or that you specialize in or, or, you know, what kind of work are you doing there? Yeah, so Bader Rudder is uh, um, a, a really, really strong B two B agency. Um, they don't only do B two B, but that's an, an area that's a lot of focus. And um, based on the sort of legacy and history of the agency, grew up out of the agriculture industry yeah. and the animal health industry. So we know those those two areas like the back of our hand, um, and we have. You know, sort of a, I would say, very unique thing, unlike other agencies I've ever worked at, where a lot of the people that that, that work here actually are also farmers or own a dairy wow. operation, and they're you know located um, all over the country in different places, and so they bring that you know life experience, that perspective um, into the work uh, that we do from you know from a, a marketing and advertising perspective, and then we're you know we're obviously growing ourselves um, beyond those industries as we look you know kind of from a strategic standpoint look at industries and areas that have a connection into ag and animal health so. Um, you know, from a food and beverage standpoint, right? That's very much connected to a- agriculture, as it's sort of the other end of of that line. Um, and then um, pet care, which is a very close connection into the animal health industry. And you know, again, all of our deep knowledge within um, sort of understanding the veterinarian world and what veterinarians, you know, face and the things they have to work through. Um, so, bringing those experiences and perspectives together. Um, is allowing us to um, really grow from a new business standpoint into you know into new clients and new opportunities. Very cool. And Milwaukee's a co- cool town. I've, I've spent yeah. a little bit of time there. A uh, lot of lot of uh, really cool uh, breweries and things like that. Yeah. So I imagine you probably have a pretty good time living there. Good good quality of life, I would imagine. Yeah, yeah. I you know I think you know, and I didn't. But before coming uh, up here, you know, when I when I made the move to Kramer Crassalt, I you know. I didn't know much of anything about Milwaukee other than like Laverne and Shirley. That right. was like that was like my mental image of, right. of of Milwaukee. So when I came, I was blown away. I was like, "Man, this is like the best kept secret." I don't, you know, I don't know if I want to tell anybody about this, but it's it's just such a beautiful place. Um, uh, you know, with the, the the giant lake, which is basically an ocean, you know, right next to you, and you can. You know, drive 15, 20 minutes and be out in the rolling country um, with farms and trees and just beauty everywhere. And so that's that's a pretty rare thing, like to leave a, a big metropolitan city and be in a place that's so quiet and remote. Um, and the people here are incredibly humble. Yeah. Um, and and I think there's I don't know. I always feel like there's something about having to shovel your sidewalk in the winter. <laughs> um, over and over again that maybe brings uh, an element of humility yeah. uh, to people. I don't know, but it's, it's uh, it, it, yeah, people here are wonderful. And yeah, and it's just the kind of quality of life and the livability aspect of it is, is great. Very cool. So as I mentioned early on, right, that the, 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 the thought that, that caught my eye as I was doing my research is this sentence here. It says, his unique background helps him think and ideate like a musician, composing campaigns 
the way a pianist tells stories through song. Mm-hmm. And that really caught my eye. I'm like, all right, we we gotta have we gotta have Ned on because I I, I want to learn more about this. So so tell me about this. Is there you know how how closely tied is it for you? And and tell us a little bit about this whole idea of of, of ideating and thinking like a like a musician. Yeah. Well, I think to start with, um, you know, in in my journey as a musician, you know, I, I kind of studied all different kinds of music. I'm, I, I was uh, sort of brought up classical, and I was trained from a classical perspective. But I also spent a lot of time um, playing jazz, playing in jazz groups, um, big jazz bands, little little groups, trios, Dixieland bands, all that kind of stuff. And um, I think through that journey. Um, one of the things that is very, very much, um, you know, a similar connection point within jazz, you know, there's so much of taking a, a um, what you might call the skeleton, right? The, the, the structure of a song, but then um, free forming, right? Riffing, um, improvising, playing, playing off of each other, playing off of each other's energies and ideas and, and creating, in essence, right, a conversation through notes um, with each other as you go. And to me, in the very beginning of the creative process, anytime we're sitting around thinking of things, right, like where, where might something go? What if this? What if that? Why not? Why don't we try this? Why don't we try that? There, there, is, a, there is a huge, huge element of improvisation yeah. of a different kind, but it's the, it's the same in its soul, it's the same thing. And it's that free form openness to kind of just play tennis, right? You're, you're, knocking, you're knocking the ideas back and forth. You're seeing where they go. You're seeing where a random thought that may not mean anything in the moment, like it may seem the, mo- like the most illogical thing, turns into something because of that beauty of the ability for, for to build off of each other, to, to play off of each other's thoughts. So I think at its core, first and foremost, there's a huge comparison to um, to improvisation that yeah. is fundamental to what we do when we you know, when we're thinking of ideas and, and developing them. Yeah, and what about this idea? You know, my my wife and other people that you know sometimes they're not they're not musicians, right? They they are really impressed when you know people can just get up and jam, right? Mm-hmm. And I've kind of explained to her, it's like, well, there's 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 templates and there's patterns and there's you know uh, chord structure, you know chord progressions that are you know standard, let's say in blues or jazz or whatever, and then you're kind of improvising on top of that. Yeah. So does that factor in in any way, right? In terms of like, well, we have a template for how we how we want to put this campaign together or this idea together, and then and then on top of that, we're going to kind of riff and, and add yeah. the, add the notes. Yeah, I mean, I, there, there's a, a, probably a variety of different um, uh, sort of templates, right? Like the, you, the way you describe it. One, one is the brief. You know, what what is it we're trying to say? I mean, that's one template um, that allows you to kind of both grab a hold of something, right, and knock it around. Um, a, a second one would be, you know, for example, in in storytelling. You know, there's 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 a in essence there's a kind of couple basic um, universal storytelling right. um, flows, and it, it and they all kind of follow the same the same path, right? There's an arc to them, and so if you're doing you know the you need an example of a TV script, right? If if we're telling a story through a TV script, there's a couple of basic ways we're going to get from the beginning to the end, and right. 
And if there's humor, there might be a rug pull at the end to kind of reveal something in, inter- in an interesting way. Um, but you always want to start a bit open and, you know, sort of intriguing, you know, like you're scratching your head in the same way that those first couple sentences of a story that you might be reading are completely compelling. They just absolutely pull you in. So I think to your point, there are templates and you're, you know those templates. You, they may not be spoken. You know, it's like, all right, let's do the let's do the rug pull today. Um, right, but, right, right. But everybody understands them, so it, it kind of that gives you the 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 ability to kind of play off of each other and and using similar language. So, in your mind, <clears throat> and making the 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 analogy to music, what it what is the brief in your mind if you're comparing it to is it. Is it like the the uh, okay we're gonna we're gonna do a we're we're doing a jazz tune in you know in E or we're doing a blues a blues in you know twelve bar blues what what is it in your mind like how would you compare the brief to is that yeah. it or is it something different you think well um, <clears throat> no that's a great that's a great question I think anytime right you 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 start off in music um, and you're jamming you're you're trying you're also trying to get each other and maybe if there's people listening um you're you're trying to get people to feel something and you know maybe it's not necessarily spoken but maybe maybe it's more you know for for example if you know if it's like open mic night right and you're up there with your your you know four four jam buddies you know and you've got this little group you're reading the room and you're kind of sensing Mm. the the mood and the vibe right and maybe maybe based on the mood and the vibe you want to do something like kind of moody and you know maybe a little sultry or like maybe you want everybody to kind of like go into their past and like imagine you know the ten heartbreaks they had in their life and you want to really like grab a hold of their heart and squeeze it through this the, the jam that you might play. So there's a there's a there's an initial brief which is we're trying to get people to feel something. Mm, okay. We're trying to get people to 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 react and and <clears throat> music like anything else any other language is uh, something we're all so familiar with. We've heard these songs before. We might have heard a jam in, you know, for example, F F blues, right? We've heard F blues, God, how many times, right? Millions yeah. of times. So how how is it this time that it's going to be played in a way that like allows people to almost hear it and feel it deeper or differently or more impactfully than it's ever been heard before? So in my mind, anytime I'm approaching music, jamming, composing a song, playing a, com- a piece that someone else wrote, and advertising and, and that brief, I'm trying to figure out how I, in essence, reach across the room and grab a hold of somebody and get them to notice, pay attention, and feel something in a way they've never felt before. And, and, and so I think that, at its barest essence, that's always the brief. And then, of course, we layer on, you know, in advertising, we layer on all kinds of wonderful strategic points of view and insights. And there's a challenge like we got to change the perception that, you know, this audience has uh, for, you know, whatever, a car brand like they hate this car. OK, how are we going to get them to not hate the car? Um, and so there's that element to it, too. But, boy, if we don't if we don't grab them um, and we don't make them feel something, then we've lost them. Like they're never going to pay attention. Yeah. No, absolutely. All right. What what else? What else do you see? I mean, one thing I would love to know. Uh, I'm curious to know 
if this is is you do you do you see music do you cuz i sometimes I, you know when i'm listening to music i see things like i see mo- certain movements or certain things uh is that a, do you have that experience yeah i mean there's music is patterns <clears throat> Um, and it's patterns of different kinds, right? There's the rhythmical patterns. Um, like I remember, do you remember that movie with Gregory uh, Gregory Hines, the tap tap dancing yeah. movie? Yeah. Right. So he was listening to the sound of cars, um, you know, driving over the manhole covers in the city street, and those rhythms became rhythms that he tapped. Right. So there's rhythms everywhere. There's patterns in the rhythms. There's patterns in a chord progression. Um, and so, yeah, like looking at and seeing and hearing those patterns and, um, there, I know this is going to sound probably weird saying this, but, but, but those patterns, they're alive. It's almost like a, it's almost like an entity or a being that's living. You know, Mm -hmm. I, I often think about a chord progression is really at its, its basic essence, it's breathing. So you, you start the chord progression in a place that feels very calm so that's like before you've started to take a deep breath in. And then as the chord progression builds and grows and squeezes tighter and tighter, right? It reaches that most tense moment or tense place. That's when you've breathed in as far as you can and then you release it release, and you come yeah. back, right? So it's this, it's this pattern and that pattern continues over and over again in different ways. Um, and in the same would go with storytelling. The same would go with you know, in advertising, you're you're trying to convey an idea, maybe in a in a in a TV commercial for 30 seconds. That is a moment where you're you're trying to create a breath. You're trying to create that moment as it rises up and then as it releases. And so those patterns, to me, are they're um, they're so similar and and work in the same ways. You obviously you're you're using different mediums to do it, but right. I, yeah, so I see those patterns and I think about those patterns. Um, and I, I do think for me, you know, music played a huge, has played a huge part um, in how I think about how to tell a story. Yeah. And so <clears throat> if, if I'm hearing, the, hearing this correctly, and I think I did read somewhere where you also were in a, in a grunge band. Is that right? <laughs> yes. <laughs> so, but, but for the most part, has it always been more instrumental music, or is it also words and lyrics? Because you're a writer, so I imagine yeah. you write lyrics as well. Yeah, so um, that, grunge, that grunge band, that was, that was during, during the time of the Seattle yeah. music scene, and, and I went to a, a school up there, University of Puget Sound, which is a, you know, kind of a small liberal arts school, but it's up in that area. And so this was all, all these bands were playing during that time. And, you know, we'd formed a band and we were playing, you know, in, in a lot of the same places, um, you know, not obviously to, to the same scale, but we were, sure. we were playing, we were, we were recording albums. So for me, that was a, that was a great place where I could bring both my, my actual writing, writing, you know, writing words, trying to convey an idea through, through words, through the lyrics and then the songs themselves. And so I would, I would, with that band, I would write what we would call sort of the structure or the skeleton of the song. So I'd figure out what the chord, you know, the chord structures were going to be for the verses and the choruses. Yeah. I'd write the melody and, and then the lyrics. And so I was kind of writing, singing, no, I'm not a good singer, but I was like, I was like singing writing at the same time so I was write, writing the lyrics and the and the melody at the same time and then I'd bring that to the band and we you know we everybody would kind of hash it out and bring their own perspectives and their own 
you know, part from their instrument into the song and then we'd fill it out. Right. Um, so, which that in itself also has, I think some relevance, right. Or, or, or some connection to the way, at least the way that I like to work. Right. Cause I'm, I'm yeah. a writer also. And sometimes <clears throat> you, you, you read about these songwriters where they're like, I'll just, I'll just kind of mumble my way <laughs> through it, through a take. I got the melody, but I don't know what the words are, and I'll yeah. just kind of mumble my way through it. And, and, and I find myself doing that in a way when I'm writing stuff to where it's like, I'm not exactly sure what I'm going to do here, so I'm going to just write in a bunch of question marks or I'm going to write in blah, 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 and then move on. Because if I stop and like try to figure that out, I'm going to lose the – I'm going to sort of lose the, the flow, the creative flow sort of. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Like the those early those early forms, uh, the the lyrics are a lot of you know, yeah. like you're you're not actually using a lot of words. Um, you may, maybe a few words. You know, if I have an idea. Or, um, but yeah, it's it's uh, it's very loose and open. And I, you know, one of the things you mentioned that I think is really imp- important in this is you're not letting you're not letting perfection or or mm. or the various things that you you know eventually you'll need to get right. You're not letting that get in the way of the path to where, where the energy is going. Right, like you're letting the right. energy take you where it needs to go for writing that song. Um, and I think as part of the creative process, regardless of what it is, whether it's music, whether it's in advertising, that same truth holds that we, we have to make sure we allow ourselves that place to go. And when there's the energy you're not letting anything get in the way of that. And I think, you know, in advertising in particular, one of the challenges we always face is you've got so many voices and perspectives coming into conversations, coming into meetings to look at work. Right how you keep that energy moving in the right direction so you don't suddenly get someone going well where you know if it was music well where are all the lyrics like this melody isn't worth anything if we don't have the lyrics yet we're not yeah yeah no no actually the the melody's amazing the lyrics will come (laughs) the lyrics yeah the lyrics will come yeah um, well, if you don't mind, what was the name of the group? Is there, are, are there are some some YouTube videos out there that exist? There might there might be some. I think uh, yeah. I remember someone passed some along at one point. Um, so the, the, it's a fun, funny little uh, sort of accidental story that our 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 band got its name. So uh, our freshman year in college, we were doing a um, like a battle of the bands, and yeah. the guitarist went to sign us up, and we didn't have a name yet. So he just wrote down undecided, um, and then oh. and then he forgot to tell. Like we weren't even thinking about it. Like oh, we still need a name to go back yeah. to them to give them our name. So we completely yeah. spaced on it. And when the MC announced us um, going on stage, he he like just goes ah. And the undecided, you know, and so we got up there, and um, and we we won the battle of the bands, and then it, wow. and then we're like, shit, we can't change our name, we can't change our name now. now. So we were the undecided, and that became it's, our name. Yeah, <laughs> that's a good that's a good name. So what did you play in this group though? Because your 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 main instrument is piano, is that right? Yeah. So I played keyboards. You, play? um, you did okay. And you know, I had a <laughs> I had an ironing board um, that I carried around uh, for for shows and everything. So that was my keyboard stand. And then I just threw the yeah. big keyboard up on the ironing board. <laughs> <laughs> love it. I love it. So what's interesting to me, and, and I, because I, you know, when, when grunge happened, I didn't, I didn't quite get it mm. until many years later, 
right, where I realized why it broke through. And I think it, 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 the reason why it broke through was because it was, it was very raw and it was very kind of like visceral and just sort of there, right? There wasn't – so everything that had happened up to that point in terms of rock was like very polished, right? It was very produced. And then you got these guys that are just in essence, they're kind of jamming and they had kind of a blues vibe in, in certain things. And they were – they were they, I mean, the record sounded like they were produced – live yeah. right so I, I i wonder you know how that also has implications in terms of final product right and uh, how sometimes especially now right things probably are a little bit more like that like grunge in the sense that it's more real right production yeah. value doesn't have to be completely you know polished it can be a little bit more raw but that just that just popped in my head what are your what are your thoughts about that oh god i love that comparison i think you you're absolutely right i think um we've gone through a journey where a lot of brands in order to become more um approachable and you know kind of accessible to people and i think obviously social media has played a huge part in that um whole journey um and the way content is created it's 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 moved in the direction of you know sort of raw, more rawness right more more real more accessible yeah. um and so that's very very much the same thing that you know you you know we saw with this sort of shift in the flip from what music was during that time into into grunge and yeah the other thing too that i thought was so always so interesting with with grunge music um is how how simple you know, yeah, it was right. it was raw and it was also very simple. And they were they were they were they were almost in a way throwing up the middle finger to your what you'd call your, right. your typical chord progressions. And they were they were futzing with it. They were pushing yeah. it like so. You were getting these slightly unusual sounds where you suddenly went from like a major C chord to a major E flat to a minor G chord back to the C chord. Like they were doing these things where they were, they were, they were just turning the screws on, on what you, what we typically would in our, in our ear know as a, as a chord progression that sounds more normal. Right. They were twisting it, which was so fascinating. And I would imagine, I don't, I don't know that much about, you know, like, I don't know the, the history, but I would imagine that that was also probably due to the fact that maybe they weren't, you know, trained. Right. And they were, they were, kind of like beginners in some way and they were just trying shit out and it and it worked and they were like that's that's pretty cool yeah, right yeah yeah there's there's uh, you know a, a, i think kind of a wonderful element in that of sometimes being slightly um un unlearned right can have an incredible yeah. superpower and they yeah they 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 stumbled across some really amazing uh sounds and combinations of sounds that maybe otherwise it would have who knows taken how long for us as you know as human beings to discover because we were you know was always being more of a trained ear a trained musician that was applying uh thinking to it yeah and and that and that kind of uh ties into this idea i don't know if i don't know if you're a rick rubin fan or if you've read his new book but he mm-hmm. talks a little bit about this idea of the beginner's mind okay and how yeah. sometimes you know, if you approach something, any kind of creative problem, you know, we, we get these these preconceived notions about the way things should be. And he kind of says, well, if you come, in, come at it like a beginner, 
you might be you might discover something different, right? Because you're not tied to all that dogma of like, oh, we've always done it this way. It's got to be this way. Um, you know, and, and I think that kind of ties into that. Absolutely. I, I love that. I, I, would, I am uh, after, after this, I need to get his name uh, and the name of the book again so I can um, go look it up. That sounds wonderful. And I, you know, it, it's spot on. I mean, one of the things we, we, we talk a lot about in, internally here at the agency and with clients too is we have, there's this little, little saying we, we've come up with, and it's a dual meaning, but is slow your no. And in that case, it's both Ooh. it's both the no as in knowledge, slow your knowledge, and no as in the no, like the you know the quick the quick reaction to like want to say no to something, right? Because it maybe challenges you or makes you feel uncomfortable or makes you confused or whatever it might be. So it's both no's. Um, and the first one, right, is playing into that that beginner's mind part. It's like like we can we can give ourselves. A, a litany of barriers that should never exist because we're basing it, not you or I, but in general, like people are basing it in um, the knowledge they've already built up around something. So they form um, dead ends that don't need to be there. You know, they've built right. their own dead ends that don't have to exist. Yeah. Yeah, that's 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 interesting. I love that. I just marked that. That's going to be a clip <laughs> for the for the uh, for the show because that's a, that's a good one. Slow your no. What are your thoughts on uh, just you know recently with this with this legal case of um, Ed Sheeran, right? And and the uh, and uh, Marvin Gaye, right? Um, which to me brings up this idea, and I'm I'm curious to know what your thought is. I, I think that everything has been done and the way that you get to something new is a combination of things right so you're combining some things because what drives me nuts is we want to do something that's never been done before it's like well i hate to tell you this but i but i think and this is my belief and i'd love to know if you agree or disagree but it's like well i hate to tell you but a if i did present something to you that's never been done before you probably wouldn't know what to make of it because you're gonna it's so unfamiliar that you're not gonna that you're not gonna like it or you're not gonna appeal to you because it's so unfamiliar where i think that the the cleverness and the cool thing is like mixing right and that's kind of like using that same progression of of the marvin Gaye track but you added you know there's an infinite way you can make things different right whether it's like well, the, the the guitar sound and there's weird effects and and the vocal was treated this way and we did it. I don't know any number of things. But do you think? Do you agree that everything's been done before? Or do you think that there is some things that have not? Yeah, I, I mean, wholly wholly original or wholly unlike anything ever before in existence. No, for sure. I, to your point, everything is a tapestry of of. Ob objects, sounds, samples, um, a bit of something from here, a bit of something from there, and bringing those together in in ways that create new combinations. And so they they create new new shifts, right? New 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 variations on sounds, you know, in, in music. You know, I think Beck, for example, was a great a great exa example yeah. of, of, of of what an amazing um, you know. Uh, he, I mean, in essence, he was he was he was a quilter, right? Like he was creating yeah. incredible quilts out of you know music and different patterns and samples and um, sounds we maybe knew, 
but the way he brought them together created something that felt completely new. Right. Yeah. Right. But it was taking the elements that yeah. existed and turning it into something new. Yeah. 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 No, I like that. Yeah. And, and, and so then in the, the, the legal end, it's like the, that's always the, you know, and I, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not a lawyer, of course, but like, that's always the part where it's, it is, unf- it is philosophical in nature. It's like, where, where does the line cross from it being um, something that belongs to somebody and something that is um, is not, you know? And it's like, and you know, there's like the you know the four four the four notes rule or whatever, you know, right. whatever it is. Like, yeah. there's that place, but someone had to decide that that was the place, right? So uh, yeah, and I'm I'm glad that <clears throat> that the case was decided in the way that it was because I think it would have been crazy because I mean think of all the progressions that have been yeah that have been you know I mean think about the blues or any kind of you know uh, musical art form I mean the patterns are same so th- in this particular case that was kind of what was on trial right it's like well if you do that then nobody's going to be able to do anything without yeah. you know yeah without you know suing each other yeah so I'm glad that it turned out that way. Um, yeah, what too. else? What other what other you know connections to your work do you see that that come from music or? Um, I mean, I think you know I'm I'm a, probably from the art side as well. Um, I, you know, even though I'm not yeah. I'm not an art director, I you know I spent my my career in advertising pursuing writing, um, <clears throat> but I do think very visually um, a lot of the time I tend to actually not think of words first. I tend to think more in terms of pictures and images in my head. Huh, um, really? And then I, you know, maybe similar to finding the lyrics with a melody, and then I, f- I fill in the words to support what I'm imagining or seeing in my head. And I think I've always been that way, you know, like for, for just a moment, like when talking about music, the way I would memorize a song um, is I would, I would see the song in my hand in my hand so like i'm playing the song and all i would need to do is like look down at it as i'm playing it in my hands so not the music on the page but in my hands and then i would have it memorized so i, I could i was pretty quick at memorizing music because i could visualize i could visualize it in my hands like i could also visualize it on the page but i was way faster at memorizing by visualizing it in my hands so i think to to your your question um you know, I I think I think and imagine in pictures and in images. And music is also all about pictures and images. And you know, it, the music will conjure a, a, a painting in one's mind. You know, and I think right. you know the the classical composer, the French composer Saint-Saëns. You know, his his uh, his musical um, uh, creation, Car- Carnival of the Animals, is a great example of you know every single movement in that piece of music is trying to depict the image of a different animal and when you hear those songs if you have if you've never uh taken a taken a journey into this um check it out because like like there's one that's just an absolutely beautiful song about a swan and you can you you you're like yep that is a swan that is absolutely a swan gliding across a lake that music depicts that image so incredibly. Um, and so for me, when I'm creating and I'm thinking in, you know, in advertising, same thing. I'm like, I'm imagining the image in my mind in the same way that I would with music. So I think that's another, another big part of, 
you know, again, kind of maybe just how I bring my own way of looking at, at things and thinking about things and my, my background in um, art and drawing and painting and all of that into, into what I do. Do you ever, <clears throat> one of my, one of my very er, er, earliest guests, a guy named Brandon Ferris, and he would, sometimes he said he would sort of creative direct through music and he would say, this, you know, let's, let's inject a little early, you know, um, early Madonna in, into this. I think that was the, that was the example that he used. And I'm like, oh my God, that's so brilliant, right? Because it just, A, the music, but then also the visuals, everything kind of comes flooding back. Is that something, I'm just curious, that you that you ever do? Wow, that's super cool. I, I, I you know, I, I haven't, um, but I love that thought. I, I definitely, um, I definitely have to, you know, take a bit of that and try, try using it. I, what I would say that's similar is, when you know specifically more to like the 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 art of editing right so now if we're talking um, Ooh, a, okay. a film or we're talking a commercial and you've got you know whatever set amount of time to again take all of these pieces and put them together in a way that allows us to track and follow it and tell that story but it's not but that's not enough that alone is not enough right that would be a very robotic <laughs> robotic endeavor there's the there's the art or the element of um you know, creating in, in just like in music, creating a rise and a fall, and and so when I'm thinking about an edit, and then when I when I spend time maybe working with a music house or a composer, um, you know, it, it's it's all about how how to figure out the the pacing of it, how to figure out the drama of it that o- allows the two to work together, and that's you know, you know, that's its own amazing thing, and so you know, anytime you see like. You know, in movies like, uh, you know, um, whether it be John, you know, John Williams or, or or Hans Zimmer or any of these amazing composers. I mean, God, they're just they're geniuses at being able to take um, the song and the elements of the song and create a pace to it. Uh, 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 you know, it's like they're 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 just pulling you along. They're pulling you along through the music, and without it. You know, you might still feel something, but nowhere near the degree. No. Nowhere even close. Yeah. Or even, I don't know if you've ever seen those. Um, there's a few of them, but they're like these people have done these re edits of famous movies. Uh, <laughs> yes. Like The Shining. Have you seen that one? The Shining one? <laughs> yeah. Where they just basically they, they, they changed the music. <laughs> And then they added like a voiceover, and it completely changed the music, right? And it felt like a it, now it felt like a comedy. Yes, yeah. I mean, it's pretty brilliant. Yeah, yeah. Those are great. Uh, yeah, they're they're those are so funny because you you realize the thing that in your mind sits in the background, right? Because because we're I think we're we're very we're very very we are very visual creatures. You know, human beings are very visual creatures. So the thing we think is the most important thing is the thing we're seeing. The thing we hear is is really the it's the background, right? It's it's almost like it's the the wallpaper in the room and the carpet in the room. So you walk into a room, you're not probably going to go like, "Oh yeah, boy, that that blue wallpaper was exceptional, right? You're not remembering that. You're you're looking at the table or the couch, um, and that's what you see. But the thing that actually affected and influenced the mood of the room was the wallpaper, or, or in this case, the music. And that's the part we don't we don't really fully recognize until someone plays with it, right, and throws in a different you know track of music. So over the shining, suddenly it's like 
tuba a tuba playing polka music right and that would create a very different experience (laughs) yeah i would what do you um do you when you're when you're working on your own right when you're ideating or you're you're trying to write something do you listen to music and if so what what kind of music do you listen to when you're doing that yeah so i found i i've i found uh, a whole variety of of things that work and don't work uh for myself and um when so when I'm trying to get into a particular, let's say I'm trying to get into a specific mood, um, I I want something maybe that I I will say we 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 want we want this this idea to be you know very serious, have a lot of gravitas to it, a lot of yeah. emotion packed into it. I'll I'll listen to some music that that has that element in it. Um, you know maybe it's like uh, you know that. That band, I, I think they're out of Iceland, Sigaros. You know, oh you know, yeah, may, maybe that's what I'm listening to. Um, but I, I tend to find that if it's got lyrics in it, or you know, or lyrics that I understand, so like Sigaros is fine because I don't understand what they're saying. Um, right. But if it's if it's words I understand, or it's a song that's like really catchy um, and I'm, I'm really familiar with, I, it completely distracts me. I can't. I can't actually get into the zone and like think and right. write. So I need something that can act more as a um, a support uh, to where my my mood and emotions and ideas need to go, um, versus something that's more in in the front. If that makes sense. Yeah. No, that's cool. And I and I have. Uh, it's funny because I have found this track, <clears throat> and for me, it's mostly a because I'm working. You know, typically on the same. Uh, brand for for the most part but sometimes when i know that i need to focus i found this track on on youtube it's called like eight it's called like eight hour study music or something like that and it's it's like techno music and i don't like that in my in my everyday life but there's something about this track that will just get me like like in this like i'm just in the zone and i'm just like i'm just like like going And, and it's it's so crazy to me that you know that 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 the music can can do that for me that can really help me focus and just like get into and it's all instrumental but it it is it's like a techno track it's so weird well it probably you know it'd be a it'd be a fascinating uh research study uh my my dad was a he's now retired but he was a scientist and so Mm -hmm. like this this part of things always fascinates me it's like oh god there was a way to create a test where you could look at different kinds of music you might find that there would be again similar patterns, similar things that would you know like for you be the thing that allows you to get really focused. My hypothesis going in would be something like that type of music, techno music. The 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 patterns are very um, clear, they're very distinct, right. and they're they're sort of tight in nature, right? They don't they're not sweeping and expansive. They're very compressed. Yeah. And so it almost in the same way that when you get focused, you're like zeroing in the music is literally zeroing you in. Um, and so there, there, that's probably the uh, wonderful magic that's happening with that kind of music to allow you to focus. Yeah. And it has like this, this urgency to it, right. Where it was like the, 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 it's like pushing the, you know, the 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 hi hat or whatever. Yeah. It's kind of like pushing it. It's like I gotta, you know, I'm on deadline. I gotta go. I mean, but it's it's really crazy to me, and I go to it all the time. I mean, that's my if I have to do something, I'm like, okay, I'm I'm I gotta pull up my my YouTube track. Well, and that that the the that part right there is really fascinating too. Like you know, um, faced faced with a deadline. 
uh, you know, we, we can create artificial ones all day long, but you know, nothing's, nothing's more real than the real deadline. And so, so that when, when you have music that can kind of help like get you going, because again, I think creatives inherently, um, my sense always is, um, we, we procrastinate, but we don't procrastinate because we're lazy. We procrastinate because it's, it's all about keeping the, the box, um, the mental box as open as possible for as long as possible because we're trying to take in as much as we can that we can then use to begin to figure out how we're going to get to an idea or get to right. a piece of music and that's why we we sit we sit we sit we sit we hold we hold we hold until we can't stand it anymore and then we just we have to right we have to whether it's a deadline or we yeah. or we've compressed ourselves into such a place into almost a tizzy that it has to come popping out and so yeah that when you're describing the hi-hat or whatever it's like it kind of helps create that urgency to like yeah uh, let's unleash this thing yeah yeah i I even thought like i wonder if i could i could uh you know like figure out what that pattern is and what that what it is and 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 create my own stuff right and see if i can help other people kind of like lock into that um because i think i think it's pretty interesting um so tell me, you know, as we, as we start to wrap up here, um, what is it that that you know, if if you could, right? You've you've had a, a, a great career and you're still doing great things. What would you want to impart? A lot of my listeners are up and coming creatives, and you know, um, who are aspiring to be a creative director. What what kind of advice or what would you impart uh, on them? Wow, that's an amazing question. Um, you know, I think first and, and foremost, and you know, again, I'll use I'll use music um, and my my time in music and experiences there as a as a sort of a jumping off point. Um, the best songs that I ever wrote were the were the ones when I wasn't trying to be anything, mm. and I was I was I was just. In you know, immersed in what I was doing, I was enjoying what I was doing. I was um, in love with the journey, if that makes sense. Yeah, and and oftentimes, then, like it, you know, we always hear these stories, and it would happen to me too, where like the song would just kind of come whoosh, flowing out of you, and you know, it's not, it's not, a, in essence, it's not a labor or a chore. You're not like wrestling through to like make this song work. It just works, and to me, those the t- the times when that happened were the times when I was just Im- I was completely immersed, and I wasn't I wasn't worrying about what someone else might think of the song. I wasn't worried about you know does this sound too much like this band or not enough like this band or are we going to sound cool enough? You know, if this is back in the days of grunge, I was just writing a song, and I was I was just lost in that, and so I think for. For for creatives, and I I also experienced the same thing in you know in my journey in advertising. I remember my my very very early time um, in ad school. Um, there was a there was a a quarter in there in school when I for whatever reason I was so worried about what the people who were judging my work at the end of the quarter were going to say about my work. So I was trying to predict in my head, it's playing this crazy mind game where I'm like, what are they going to like? 
Well, that was the worst quarter in the existence probably of any student ever in advertising. I mean, it was, I'm sure the work was awful and they all probably thought like, who is this guy? Get him out of here. Like he needs to go home um, because I was trying to be something else other than me. And so I know that's like such an intangible thing, but we've all experienced a time when we, we in essence, every, everything around is sort of evaporated, right? We, we lost track of time. You suddenly look up and it's like dark or, you know, you just, you, you lose track. That's the thing to grab a hold of. Anytime you felt that feeling in your life, that's the thing you want to try to channel when you're, when you're, when you're creating, when you're thinking, when you're developing ideas, not worrying about, and yes, there's all kinds of outside pressures, but not worrying about what the client's going to think, not worrying about what the account person or the creative director or whoever is going to think, because nothing will be greater than your own energy, your own passion and, and belief in the thing that you're doing and just getting lost in it, get lost in it. That's amazing. I I love that. And I I you know as a songwriter too, I've 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 felt that same pressure, right? And and in my mind or in the, you know my particular case in the past it was about you know right, trying to trying to trying to put a bow on at the end of the song, right? So that all comes together and it's everybody understands what I'm trying to say. And um you know it, it, during the pandemic i started this songwriting club with some friends and we would write a song everybody would write one song every week wow and i got into this mindset where i'm like i'm not going to worry about that yeah uh i'm just going to i'm just going to do it i'm just going to get out. i'm not going to question myself i'm not going to be like well but people going to understand what i'm saying and is this song too dark or you know does it is it going to creep people out is it going to scare my wife <laughs> which some of the songs did um, but I just said, like, I'm not, I'm not going to worry about it because I think, to your point, that's uh, that's a, a recipe for just coming up with an idea that's just not going to go anywhere because you're you're trying so hard to like, you know, think about what what everybody's gonna what everybody's gonna think about it. Yeah, and God, you know, I mean, the, what you what you bring up there is such a. I mean, that's the thing, right? In its heart, as creative people trying to find ways to communicate through these various mediums that we communicate through the power of in essence silencing your own internal voices oh yeah is is where it's at and you know it's a it's a lifelong journey you know i don't, I don't think you ever like get to a place where they're completely no. gone but but that's the key is like figuring out how to let that stuff go and um you know, almost go go back in time if you can go back in time to when you were three years old or you were four years old and you were just a raw ball of curiosity rolling through the world and nothing was nothing was wrong. There was n there was no thing, no idea, no drawing, no interpretation that was wrong because it was just about the discovery and right. the thrill of the discovery. And, uh, you know, connected to this uh, is as a creative leader, right, as a chief creative officer, as a, a creative director, it's your job, I, I would think, I'm not saying you in particular, but yeah. it's our job to kind of create the environment where people feel safe to do that. Yeah. And I'm not so sure that um, I can just tell from, from the way that you are that you probably do have that kind of, that you do create that environment where it's safe for people to 
to be vulnerable and just sort of put things out there. But I, I, I do think that that's probably there's some folks that don't that don't do that, right? That it's kind of like that old school yeah. kind of earlier kind of tied to earlier to what you were saying that you were lucky enough to find these agencies that were very uh, warm and, and welcoming and, and open, right? But there's there's a lot of stories of these these agencies with these creative directors that are just you know berate people and yeah. I just don't think that's the best way to get it isn't good work. Yeah, it, you know you can I think you can you can get you can get great work um, through fear and intimidation, but only for a very short window of time. It's not it's not a sustainable um, thing because because people are running on the wrong kind of energy. Um, you know, so, so, so you, you, you know, if you want, if one wants something that's, that's, uh, sustainable, if, if one wants something that kind of, uh, in essence, like creates its own energy, you know, through a, through a sort of a feedback loop, um, the, the positive nurturing way is, is, is the way to get there. And, um, because I mean, pe- people are already their, t- their toughest critics, right? So you don't need and you, you don't need, need another. Yeah, you don't need to introduce another one. You know they've already yeah. got they've already got one. It's themselves. So like let let like let that be the thing. But then as a as a creative director or or in the role that I have now, it's like doing everything I can to actually like even diminish that. Like trying to get that to go away. Trying to trying to liberate people to be open and free so they can go wherever they need to go. Because you you know, I always say like you never know where something will lead and if something gets inter- in one's own mind or in a group you know meeting or in a review if something gets squashed here it doesn't allow the opportunity for whatever that thing might be to go to the place where you know it it leads to something which leads to something else which could be the most amazing wonderful thing ever thought of but you'll never know if if you yeah. if you cut it off yeah well, this has been a great conversation, Ned. I really appreciate it. I'm, 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 uh, you know, I could talk about music and yeah. and uh, and creativity for for days on end, but I'm sure you got things to do. Thank you for being on the show. Thanks for for sharing your uh, perspective. If 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 there is uh, undecided music out there, I need it. You need to send it to me because I I would love to end the show with 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 a track if we can find one. But All right. uh, thank you, thank you for making the time to be on the show, and thanks for sharing your perspective. I I look forward to kind of keeping in touch and seeing all the the great things that you and the uh, team are doing over there. Yeah, absolutely. Thank and thank you, Jaime, for having me. It was a it was a, a pure joy getting a chance to talk with you today uh, about all this stuff, and you know, love love being able to talk music. Uh, with you all day long it's fantastic so yeah and i will i will definitely see if i can find a youtube link uh with an an undecided track out there for you to listen to all right all right we'll talk soon then thank you thank you bye and there you have folks another episode of confessions of a creative director in the books thanks to my very special guest ned brown all right so uh next week will be episode number 50 of Confessions of a Creative Director, and I have a very special guest lined up. Uh, You'll have to tune in to find out who that is, but it's going to be a very special episode. 50 podcasts, 50 episodes. I can't believe uh, we got here, but thank you to all the listeners, all the subscribers. If you haven't subscribed already, please subscribe to the podcast. Follow me on LinkedIn. Uh, Pick up my book, What's the Big Idea? An Indispensable Guide to Becoming a Kick-Ass Creative Director. Uh, Sign up for some coaching on my website, JaimeCabreraCreative.com. 
And I'd just love to have you in uh, in the world here, uh, in the, uh, the, the creative director world. So be sure to uh, subscribe and follow for all kinds of great uh, content. And until next time, peace, love, and creativity. All right, Mac. All right, Mac. That's Mac, my co-host. See ya. Amazing.